Business success requires thinking beyond today. That's why ADP uses data-driven insights to design HR solutions to help your business have more success tomorrow. ADP, always designing for HR, talent, time, benefits, payroll, and people. Welcome to All Things Work, a podcast from the Society for Human Resource Management. I'm your host, Tony Lee, head of content here at Sherm. Thank you for joining us. All Things Work is an audio adventure where we talk with thought leaders and tastemakers to bring you an insider's perspective on all things work. Today, we're discussing Generation Z, the youngest cohort now in the workplace. Members of Gen Z, defined as being between the ages of 10 and 25, report that they feel more emotionally distressed than any other generation. In fact, a quarter of Gen Z respondents rate their mental health as poor or very poor, according to a survey by McKinsey. That's almost double the percentage of millennials and Gen Xers who feel the same way. Of course, every generation has been shaped by traumatic events, though members of Gen Z truly are unique in that they're the digital natives and the first to be bombarded constantly through their cell phones with news, opinions, conspiracy theories, falsehoods, you name it, that they're left to decipher. Facebook, the iPhone, and Twitter all were introduced and gained traction during their childhood. Joining us today to talk about this generation and how companies can engage these employees is David Stillman. David is a strategist in Minneapolis who wrote the book, Gen Z at Work, How the Next Generation is Transforming the Workplace, which he wrote along with his 23-year-old son, Jonah. David, welcome to All Things Work. Thank you, Tony. Honored to be here. Well, we're, we're very pleased to have you. So let's start by what is making this generation different from the generations that came before them. Are they truly unique? Definitely. You know, I've had a whole career dedicated to studying generational differences. And the theory really is that each generation has its own events and conditions that take place during their formative years. And what's key about that, Tony, is your formative years is really when you're adopting your own lens at which you look at the world. So the mistake to make is, yes, we all go through the same events in life, but some of these events are taking place during your formative years. It does shape the lens at which you look at the world. Um, And so, of course, Gen Z is unique, no different than millennials, Gen X, baby boomers, because they've had their own unique events and conditions. What I am seeing right now is how many people are still just lumping the younger workforce together and more often than not still calling them millennials. And you'll see some buzz about Gen Z in the consumer space, but still in the workplace, it really blows me away how many people and executives will say to me, you know, those kids today, and they're just referring to everyone under 30, and they don't realize the distinction that there is a whole new generation. It sounds like a baby boomer making that comment. (laughs) All those young kids. (laughs) Well, baby boomer, I think would like, I've had a lot of people say, you know, I'm going to wait to get to know Gen Z. And when that is code for Tony is I'm going to wait till they become a little bit more like me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's interesting because I, you know, when I got into this, I'm a Gen Xer. And when I got into this, it was the baby boom generation all the time, 80 million had really gotten all this attention. The workplace had to figure out policies and procedures to navigate 80 million. Then you had the marketplace catering and selling all these products and services to them. That when my generation showed up, you know, it was like, oh, they'll behave and act just like us. Everyone tried to treat Gen X like the baby boom and woe did that backfire. 
And what's crazy to me is history is repeating itself with our kids. All this buzz all day long about boomers' children, the millennials, an awesome generation, but all this buzz and talk about them that people don't realize there's a whole new generation, Gen X's kids, Gen Z showing up. And I do see history repeating itself. And if people wait too long to get to know Gen Z, I think the opportunity to recruit and for sure retain them in today's you know competitive environment, it'll be too late. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So you mentioned that each generation goes through a formative period. So I, I've read that Gen Z is most motivated by money since they lived through the last Great Recession, where their parents, you know, lost their homes in the mortgage crisis, and maybe they lost the the child's college funds, so it had a very direct impact. D- do you see that as the case? Absolutely. In fact, to put a little into perspective, you know, so historically, just to get this, baby boomers raised millennials, Gen Xers raised Gen Z. Now, it doesn't apply to absolutely everyone, but in general, you could say that. And during, you know, that last recession. Um, the net worth of Gen X, so they'd be Gen Z's parents, did fall by 45%. Mm. So you can only imagine those dinnertime conversations. Compare that to when baby boomers were raising millennials, it was the go-go 90s, anything was possible. And you had boomers telling their millennial kids, you could be anything you want to be, anything's possible, the world's your oyster. And they set off into the world with that attitude. Well, Gen Z was told it's a tough world out there. You're going to have to fight really hard. And elements that millennials maybe fought for fell down the list for Gen Z. And like you're saying, we got back to some basics, money and pay, benefits, top of the list for Gen Z. In other words, if you're not paying competitively, you don't have the benefits. Let's not even talk about all the things I'm going to do. I'm not even going to enter the door. Well, that wasn't the case for millennials. If we compare millennials to Gen Z, now the millennials came of time during a lot of excitement uh, and a lot of the message was find passion and meaning in everything you do. And millennials, you know, really set forth, if I'm going to come work for you eight, you know, to 10 plus hours a day, I want to be moving the needle on something. And you saw so many organizations focus on meaning, making a difference, teamwork. Well, along came Gen Z. And of course, finding meaning in your job is important, but it was not top of the list. And the Gen Z attitude is, you know, I'll find meaning a host of ways, But top of my list will be money, pay, benefits, the basics, because if I can't get those when I walk through the door, it won't matter what meaning I can find. I need to start there. Yeah. So, I mean, we're seeing incredibly high turnover rates, uh, period. But Gen Z seem to be at the top of the list. Is it because they're not being paid enough or is there something else that Gen Z is looking for on top of money that, you know, you can use to retain them and and not have them hit the hit the pavement? Oh, I'm not convinced that we're losing Gen Z employees right now. I think we're losing a lot of millennial employees. I think we're having a hard time attracting Gen Z employees to even come through the door to work for us. Our research shows if you can get Gen Z in the door, loyalty is way higher amongst Gen Zers than millennials. And so because if they're being paid well and they feel that stability, opportunity to grow, that's going to have huge payoff in terms of retention. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, Gen Z is really taking advantage of the intense talent shortage, that they're getting paid perhaps more than market rate because of talent shortages. So what happens if the economy turns south? Is Gen Z going to have a big wake-up call? No. I think Gen Z had their wake-up call when the economy went south during their formative years. Mm, So they're ready. Uh, Oh, yes. I think, you know, 
again, events and conditions result in a generational personality. So if you're a generation that grew up during the recession, we also have had extreme political, you know, upheaval and unrest that this is a generation that has always been in survival mode. What I think how that's starting to play out in the workforce is it's the era of the side hustle. So a lot of Gen Zers, and it's a very high rate, and I think employers would be not only surprised, but I'd go as far as saying alarmed at how many of their Gen Z workforce have a side hustle. I mean, they come work for you all day, but maybe they also have got a website that sells tennis shoes or they build birdhouses. And so whatever that is. And so I think the survival mode made them really hungry for side hustles. I think COVID had a lot of Gen Zers at home and tinkering with technology and launching side hustles many times with their parents. And so a lot of them are debating, you know, do I lean into my side hustle? Is my side hustle creating enough? Or is there a place for me to go to work and have my side hustle? But this is not a generation where it'll be either or. They're going to come to you and have a side hustle. You know, it's funny. I had a great conversation recently with an HR director at a pretty good sized company who said, yeah, we know that our Gen Z employees have side hustles. And for the most part, it's okay. But then she explained two wake up calls that she had. Number one was she started hearing from the Gen Z's colleagues who said, all this person does is tell me about their side hustle and try and get me to buy something that they're selling. And then the second was they found a Gen Z employee who had two full-time jobs and and was balancing the two because they were working remotely. Can it go overboard? That Well, I think that's a little extreme. Two full-time jobs with employers getting benefits? No. <laughs> so let's be clear. A side hustle, you know, the rest of us, Tony, I don't know for sure what generation you're a part of, but as a Gen Xer, I can tell you, people did it, but we called it moonlighting. Mm-hmm. It was definitely something you did on the side to make a little extra cash. A couple of factors here. One is it is so much easier to start a business. I mean, Tony, if right now you and I had an idea, Within 24 hours, we could have a website, we could have an LLC application, we could have a phone number, business cards, boom, and looks like we are full in business. So it's a lot easier. Going back to your friend's wake-up call, a couple of things. One is I think a wake-up call is to revisit non-competes. I think what's happened with non-competes is everyone's, ah, you can't really uphold those in court. They don't really mean anything. They're so watered down that people sort of ignore them. And I think it's time to really revisit those because I'm not convinced that Gen Zers completely understand what's in and out of bounds on a non-compete. So for example, if I'm working at, say, General Mills and I make birdhouses, no one should care. Mm -hmm. If I work at General Mills and I'm inventing a cereal, you should have a problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm not sure that's the type of thing I friend, you know, when your colleague says, I'm aware they have side hustles, you know, I would be like really looking into that because they do. Um, And look at the non-compete element. The other part where it shows up, and this is where, to be honest, employers have a really, really hard argument is Let's just say, Tony, someone works for you and you found out they have a side hustle selling tennis shoes. You walk by their desk in the middle of the day and you see this employee uploading tennis shoes, you know, to a website that they're selling. I can only imagine your immediate response is going to be, excuse me, you work for me nine to five. I am not paying you to sit here and upload tennis shoes to a website that you're making money on. Seems very fair, correct? Well, but I know where you're going. <laughs> you know exactly. Okay, where do you, I'll let you finish it. So where do you think I'm going? I think that if this person is doing their job and doing it well, they should have some flexibility to be able to do things on the side as long as they don't overdo it. They don't take advantage of the company. 
Yes. Or I'd even go one step farther. Let's say you said to me, I, you work for me nine to five and I want to see you uploading things on you know, the internet. And I'd be like, okay, great. Then no emailing or contacting me after 5 p.m. ever. And that's Because I got something right. else I'm working on. <laughs> yep. People just get quiet immediately because the workplace has no problem infiltrating our everyday, you know, out of the nine to five boundaries. And therefore, you know, Gen Z sees it as well. Then I'm going to spend a little time doing my side hustle here. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's such a bad attitude. And those workplaces that sort of get out of this nine to five mentality and embrace side hustle, you know, I think this is really going to be one of the first areas to look at things differently and be able to embrace Gen Z. If I were your colleague, yeah, I'd have a hard time if that person's, you know, spending all their time all day, if it was disruptive talking about their side hustle, but if they're excited about it, I'd be leaning in, I'd be broadcasting it, and I'd be saying, hey, we're a workplace here that celebrates side hustles. What makes people unique? And then what I'd be doing is saying, is there any part of a skill set in your side hustle that we should be capturing? Is there something skill set you could be bringing to our workplace? You're really good at uploading stuff to the website there. We could use some up on our website um, is how I'd be looking at it. But I would not be fighting it. And those that do will find Gen Zers will for sure go somewhere else. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And and let's talk a little bit more about that, about employee engagement, especially. So one of the other things that research has shown about Gen Z is that they tend to want to hear information in person. Uh, that they don't necessarily trust what they read on social media or, frankly, even in an email. So how can companies communicate best with Gen Z to make sure they're getting the message? You know, they, you know, the old HR argument is you have to send someone something seven times before they finally hear it and understand it. What about Gen Z? I mean, I, it was surprising to so many people, and we ran this survey, believe it or not, three times, and we said, what's your preferred way to communicate? I got to be honest, typical, and I'm a Gen X parent, and I study generations, and I got this wrong. I thought for sure texting, mm -hmm. for sure texting, but no, face-to-face -face was a resounding in the 80 percentile. They all want face-to-face. -face. So I think there's a level of few things. I want to look you in the eye and see it. There's a level of cutting through the clutter. There's a lot of noise. You know, all day long, they're looking at so many feeds with input and there's a level of how do I know what's real, what's not, what's fake, what's AI. So there's just something about just getting rid of anything else, being able to look someone in the eye. It really is because they're used to so much other clutter. Beyond that, I think what you're really seeing with Gen Z is trust. I really want to see you. I want to hear it firsthand. And that's how I'm going to build trust with you. Um, you know, with millennials, there was group mentality, a lot more group. What does everybody think? And I think with Gen Z, we're seeing a lot more independent, one-on-one, -on -one, less group mentality. And they're able to do that a lot more by just face-to-face. -face. Last but not least, what I'd say, all communication needs to be backed up with why. Now, why are we doing this? We do this. And the last thing you're going to say is because that's the way it's always been done. Gen Zers are hungry to understand why. So oftentimes we think we're communicating. They want to understand how did you arrive at that decision? Not just what the decision is. How did you arrive at it? Who contributed to it? How final is this decision? They want to hear everything that went into that. So a lot more behind the scenes. But if you think about it, it's a generation that's always had information at their fingertips on anything. How we got the decision. How did you arrive at it? Gotcha. So let's talk about, you mentioned earlier, the importance of attracting Gen Z into the environment. So benefits, you know, companies are really going out of the way to, to enhance benefits, come up with new benefits. 
What benefits would Gen Z value? I mean, a student debt repayment seems like an obvious one. Are, are there others? That would be an obvious one. I think you know, that would apply to millennials more than anything. I think millennials are the ones who are going to be sitting with way, way more college debt than Gen Z. So that would be one thing. I think we are going to see a lot of Gen Zers who maybe opted out of a four-year degree. So companies that maybe are leaning into certification programs, extra types of education for Gen Z will go a long way. Other benefits that we know for sure, pay. If I want to be paid competitively. People like an environment too that shows the more I do, the more I earn. What we had with a lot of millennials was this mentality of groupthink. You're only as strong as your weakest link. We operate in groups, teamwork. I mean, millennials are brilliant at teamwork. Um, the problem that you had was, you know, suddenly be like, oh, did you hear we're all getting a raise today? And like, no, Johnny's getting a raise, not all of us. It's sort of what happened to one happened to all, where you have with Gen Zer a lot more independent thinking. And so a lot of benefits aren't going to be like, oh, this goes for everybody. So a little bit more of an a la carte, where let me pick what I want that's going to apply to my life that works for me. That'd be a benefit rather than, you know, one size fits all. And the funny thing is everyone tries to play the fairness game. Well, if I do this for one, I got to do it for everybody. Gen Z doesn't even believe in that. They're all about earn it. Put it out there. Tell me what I need to do to earn that and I'll go for it. And so I think it's going to be a lot of a la carte, let me earn things, but not group mentality. And what you're also going to see is a level of competition that we have not seen for since the baby boom generation. Gen Zers are so fiercely competitive that I think a benefit's going to be a culture where there's opportunity to climb. The more you do, the more you perform, the more you can climb. Competitive cultures are going to be where they thrive. Not the case as much with millennials. And so bringing back that competitive drive, um, I think it's going to be a huge benefit for Gen Z. Baby boomers are loving that, by the way. Yeah, no question. Well, it sounds like, you know, just demonstrating that promotion from within is not just available, but likely that if you work hard, you will get the promotion will probably make a difference to Gen Zers, right? Well, for sure. And, and not tenure based. Like as long as you do this job for two years, then you're eligible. Tenure makes no sense. All performance based, uh, for sure. So one other area that we know Gen Z is is probably more comfortable with than really any other generation is probably inclusivity in the in the market uh, and, and in the workplace that everyone is treated equal, everyone gets an opportunity, yet a lot of companies are struggling to show that they're inclusive, that they have a culture where everyone can succeed. Any tips there for specifically what Gen Z might be looking for? Well, I think you're dancing around a topic of, to be honest, race and ethnicity. Of course. And the thing is, is that you really do have a generation that's more colorblind. You know, they just, they're more about performance. They don't pay attention to things. You know, if you talk to a baby boomer woman after a job interview back in the day, they'll tell you how many men were in that waiting room, how many women, they'll know exactly who are the applicants. You talk to a Gen Zer, they don't even pay attention. They don't know. And so for Gen Zers, um, I really think it's going to be about, again, not necessarily the way everything looks. It's really going to be more about the culture. And diversity has got a much more broader definition. Look, if you're from places like I am Minnesota, they tend to be more white. But that doesn't mean we're not diverse in thinking styles, attitudes. And so I think they just have a more broad definition of diversity. 
And those that try to make it so obvious, you know, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, other, I think it's a very dated model of diversity. One last area that I want to cover with you is mental health. We know that a lot of Gen Z, frankly, a lot of everybody, but Gen Z specifically have been struggling with mental health issues and are looking to their employer for help. And a lot of employers are stepping up and providing it. How critical is that for this generation? To your point, Tony, let me say it is critical for every single generation, and I could go through everyone for different reasons. But since we're focused on Gen Z, let me tell you where we find a lot of the mental anguish and angst is coming from that I definitely feel employers can help with. What happened when the pandemic hit is obviously we all went online, right? Everyone went to Zoom and whatnot, and all the buzz was about Baby boomers, even my generation being like, you know, like, unmute yourself. I can't hear you. Like, get on. No, turn on your video. It was like trying to make it work. And no one worried about Gen Z because in true form, they logged on, were ready to go instantly. Didn't even skip a beat. But because of that, everyone just assumed that Gen Z was okay. And then we proceed for two years in this pandemic and they're on the meetings. They show up and they're fine. But what people don't realize that got stripped from them is probably the most critical thing for anyone's career. And that is the opportunity to build social capital. Think about you, Tony. I'd be willing to bet that you got to where you are because at one stage in your career, you stayed late at a meeting and someone had a conversation and you asked what it was and they said, oh, Tony, you should join us for this. Or maybe you were hanging out by the proverbial water cooler and people were like, ah, oh, we're doing this new thing. You should join us. Stop by afterwards. Just that stuff by being around and being at the right place at the right time truly led to opportunity. Well, in the last two years, Gen Z has been stripped of any and all opportunity to build social capital. We're now at a point, if you're on Zoom meetings, half the people don't even turn on their video. And as soon as that meeting's over, it's leave meeting, leave meeting, leave meeting, and done. There's no extra chit chat happening where I could learn about maybe an extra opportunity, get a little more FaceTime or exposure. There's no water cooler where I'm hearing about some new strategy or thing being rolled out at the company. I'm not walking down the hallways where executives are getting to see and know me and become familiar with me. And so they've had no opportunity to build social capital, and yet they're trying to get ahead in their careers. And if managers and leaders could encourage their employees in a digital environment, stay on that Zoom call a little bit longer, invite someone in for a face-to-face, -face, do a chat. Um, if you are having in-person in the office, do more brown bag lunches where people just get to talk about what they're working on and they're doing. In a nutshell, anything employers can do to help Gen Zers build social capital will most definitely help their mental state. Well, that's great advice. That is going to do it for today's episode of All Things Work. A big thank you to David Stillman for sharing his insights into Generation Z. Before we get out of here, I want to encourage everyone to follow All Things Work wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, listener reviews have a real impact on a podcast visibility. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a review and help others find the show. Finally, you can find all of our episodes on our website at sherm.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on All Things Work. Business success requires thinking beyond today. That's why ADP uses data-driven insights to design HR solutions to help your business have more success tomorrow. ADP, always designing for HR, talent, time, benefits, payroll, and people.